notice that some of our colleagues just want to get down to business every day, but others just want to tell us about what they and their friends did last weekend at Bali? Well, it turns out there are essentially four different personality types at work, and each of them have their own idiosyncrasies. On today's episode of the Science of Work podcast, my guest has joined us on set to teach us how to identify each of them, but more importantly, to give us hacks and tips to work effectively with just about anyone. Carolyn Chin Perry is the digital innovation leader at PwC, based in Singapore. She is regularly engaged by Fortune 500 companies, international conferences, governments, and Ivy League universities for her expertise. In 2019, she was named IT Woman of the Year for Asia. And in 2020, she was named Asia Business Role Model of the Year. Welcome, Carolyn, to the Science of Work podcast. When I first conceived this idea of having a podcast, you should know that you were the first person I wanted to invite. That's so kind, Juliana. Thanks for having me. Because I remember taking your course at NUS Business School and it stuck with me and I thought, wow, if I had only known what Carolyn taught us today, 10 years ago, I would have been such a better manager. Because the, the, the first thing is, I wouldn't have expected people to be of a certain type. I would have understood that there are four types of people, at least based on your framework, and I would have known all the tips and hacks of how to deal with each of them. It's so interesting you say that because I, I thought the same thing when I came across this personality profiling tool. I thought, gosh, why didn't someone share this t with me at the start of my career? This should have been taught <laughs> in university, isn't it? Absolutely. So, okay, without further ado, please teach us everything you need to know about the personality profile tool. Uh, and of course, we have this board for those watching the video. So what you see on the horizontal axis on the left side is um, an asking trait and on the right side is a telling trait and they're on extreme sides because uh, asking personality is one that tends to include others in a conversation or ask right questions or meaningful questions a telling personality tends to be quite directive um, sometimes it's mostly about statements some people feel a bit excluded from the conversation because it's just someone telling and talking at you as opposed to having a two-way conversation as an asking personality type um, on the vertical axis what we actually see here is your preferred orientation so some people are incredibly task-oriented and they're less interested um, about the people aspects on the job and then you have people who are very people oriented um, at the bottom of this vertical axis who simply love people they love being around teams they want the ones that take the extra effort to come into the office so what we have here is um, a quadrant uh, four quadrants rather um, where if you are a little bit more of an asking personality as well as uh, a bit more task oriented I would then um, call this an analytical personality type. Now, for some psychologist friends, they call this the Bolton and Bolton model. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is a personality profiling tool for a workplace. And what it does is that it shows us four work style preferences in an office or any other environment where you will come across people who work differently and have preferred ways of working. So what this tool does is that it allows you to better understand other people's preferred ways of working and how you can be more adaptable and get the best out of teams, 
um, create high performance teams, making sure that when you do hire, that there's uh, good alignment with these kind of personality traits versus the actual job description itself. So with the first um, personality type, which is the analytical, they tend to be very task-oriented. So they come into the workplace, they're very focused on their work. They may not come in and ask you, how was your weekend? What you're up to for the school holidays and so forth. Um, they're basically just get into work to do work. Mm. Um, on top of that, they tend to be a bit more asking. So when they do ask questions and be quite inclusive in the conversation, it really is about having a two-way conversation, but it's about the task at hand. Right. Yes. Yeah, so what you see here is um, someone who is extremely detailed, um, very thorough, very risk adverse. So and because he's risk adverse, um, he will then be less likely to um, make decisions quite quickly. Carolyn, all of that, what you described, do you think scientists fall under the analytical quadrant? I think it's possible to have still multiple personality types that could be in any type of careers, including science, in science right? Mm -hmm. However, you might find that the the level of thoroughness of the research, the experiment, the level of documentation, the actual study itself, you know, will be quite um, methodical and even more detailed if it was done by analytical. Right, right. So uh, 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 analytical will be predisposed to doing pretty good science, presumably. Quite, quite mm. likely, yeah. Mm. And um, probably someone who will be very good if you watch lots of TV, a CSI investigator. Right. Because they'll look at all the evidence at hand. They will not cut corners. They will not be rushed into making a decision um, or conclusion. And hence, you know, that level of thoroughness, um, methodical ways of working is actually very highly valued. Mm -hmm. So hence, part of this model is really about making sure that you yourself, as well as your teams, are actually well aligned to, you know, the different job at hand. Right. And that these personality types, you know, they thrive in certain scenarios and don't thrive in others. Right. And sometimes you might find maybe what might appear to be a low performing employee whom, you know, is really incredibly smart and gifted, but perhaps the wrong alignment in terms of the job description. I've and seen that. I've seen yes. That. And when they make a switch, suddenly they're just thriving. It's like the right person in the wrong seat. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. All right. Take us through to the next personality type? So the next personality type we have is um, someone who is very telling and very task-oriented. Hmm. So with this personality, what we have is someone who we refer to as a driver personality. So this person is very, very driven. It doesn't mean the others are not, but he is very task-oriented and very telling, very directive, um, occasionally can be misstood to be possibly a bully at work or someone mm. who's an alpha personality because for them it's all about chop chop get on with it let's get to the chase they're willing to cut corners so long as the conclusion or um, brings you the right results so they are very results oriented and if there are shortcuts that can be taken along the way so be it because I want to get the results quickly I noticed Carolyn you used the you used he to describe the driver, but it could be a she too. Yes, absolutely. Any one of these could be males or females. So I should thanks for highlighting it. Um, any one of them can be males mm. or females because we, you know many of us, males and females, will fall into any of them. Even our you know um, gender diverse friends as well. Yes, yes. of course. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. Seems, seems quite clear to me what a driver does. Task oriented and tell likes to tell as opposed to ask. Yes, mm. and um, quite a risk taker as well compared mm. to the analytical. So, you know, when I think about, for example, people I work with, if they're a little bit more analytical, I go through the effort of sharing with them um, the details, 
um, you know, the method I took to get to that conclusion, what was the actual process, um, how detailed the work is, and I don't pressure them to make a decision. Usually I'll say, here's the report, uh, we need a decision next week. Um, if you don't mind, if you have any questions in the meantime, please let us know, but we will require your signature this time next week, mm. right? And hence, we are giving them that leeway to review what could be a 500-page report um, and give them the opportunity to ask questions. Um, the driver, on the other hand, will probably just read the executive summary, yes. flip through a few pages, um, look at the conclusion, and that's about it. <laughs> and um, he or she can make a decision quite quickly. Um, quite often, they just cut to the chase, um, and as you can see already, between the driver and analytical, the analytical will probably cringe if a colleague who is a driver personality just makes a de decision within an hour mm. without reading an entire report, for example. So hence, um, there are obviously two very different personality types already. Even though they are very task-oriented, um, you know, they are on extremes as well. Would there be one personality type between the two who is better in the leadership seat? Because if you have to make decisions quickly, I wouldn't want the analytical in charge. That's true. Uh, well, the truth is that we can have very good workers as well as very good leaders from any of these four mm. personality types. Um, what's really important is self-awareness mm. and knowing where your strengths are and which areas of development uh, you need to have, right? Um, and so hence, once you have that self-awareness, then you need to realize that, okay, for this particular role, for example, if it's a, a situation where decisions need to be made quickly, for example, you're thrown into a COVID rescue situation, for example, or maybe even a hostage situation, hopefully that will never happen, um, you're not going to be in that situation to take your time to review everything the way that you would like. And hence, it's important to surround yourself with people who can support you in these areas of growth and for you to then play up to your strengths as well. So the next personality type is an expressive. Thank you. Um, your telling personality. However, this person is very people-oriented. So this is someone who is warm, friendly, um, you know, they will welcome you quite easily. However, they're quite telling. And quite often when they're telling, it's usually... Uh, about them and their interests. Right. So they'll talk to you about, you know, what's going on in the World Cup right now, um, you know, what's happening uh, in terms of their kids and their holidays and their special hobbies and interests and so forth. Um, so, so quite often they are very excited to talk about themselves, right? Um, but they are very people-oriented because they want to share these things with other people. So hence that telling part tends to be a little bit more uh, on the personal side because they are a little bit more on the people oriented side. So they are truly very um, expressive in that sense because they love expressing themselves. Um, but quite often they also tend to be um, a little less focused on deadlines. Right. Because for them, they're very driven by expressing ideas, what the future holds. Um, they probably would have thought what Web 4.0 or 5.0 looks like already. We're just on 3.0. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, he, he or she is easily 10, 20 years ahead of everybody else in terms of, um, you know, that futuristic thinking, right? So this is where they're fantastic to have if you want to think about um, future product features, for example, where the world will be, um, you know, what you want to think about for the future, right? So if you're thinking about the future economy, if you're thinking about what the future of a smart nation might be, um, this personality will really be able to share all sorts of left field ideas, which sometimes can be right 
and sometimes a little bit wrong, um, but it's great because they are very refreshing. But at the same time, um, someone like say a driver might actually struggle because hang on, what happened to my deadline? How come you're always missing deadlines? And and this is where you know having um, that awareness about a person's personality trait um, in the workplace is important because if I had a really tight deadline, I know I would have to mic. I would hate to say they used the word micromanage, but I would manage more of these expressive timelines. If I knew that this person is on my team and we're working towards something which is has a time frame around it. Well, it sounds good to know, especially if there's deadlines involved. Yes, but it's also someone who might be quite good at troubleshooting because they can sort of see left field solutions. Right, and they ideas. have like lateral thinking. Absolutely. And then they can also abstractify um, Concept, new, conceptualize new thing, new solutions. Yes, that's right. Mm. So they're quite refreshing sometimes to speak to because of their fantastic ideas that most people haven't thought of. Do you think, before we go on, do you think more creatives live in this zone? It's quite possible. I do know a number of creatives that do lead in those zones. Uh, doesn't mean that every creative is an expressive, but you find that actually quite a number of them are. Mm, yeah. Good to know, good to know. And last but not least? Last but not least, we have the fourth personality type known as the amiable. Um, this person is very asking, very people-oriented. Um, some of them you would you would describe to be warm and fuzzy and highly relatable, a really nice person. People you like to have around, did you? Yes, people like to have around. So they make fantastic uh, team members because they really take care of teams and they appreciate people. Um, they're the empaths. They're there for their teams when times are down. They look out for the rest of the team. They're the one that says, hey boss, you know, I think she's having a rough time. Mm. You know, I let her go home first, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. So I think the amiable um, is that wonderful, warm and fuzzy person that in some ways links everybody else to each other. The glue, right? The glue that <laughs> holds everyone together. I, I, I like to call them the glue. Yes, perhaps. so this is definitely the glue and the super glue that helps to unite the team wherever possible. So it seems to me all of them combined form a great team. Yes, that's right. Isn't Assume it? That, assuming they're well aligned with the actual job role itself. Right. Yes. Because, you know, as, a, as an employer myself, I guess my next question was going to follow from a strategic point of view. Assuming I knew which quadrant I sat in, should I have more people in the same quadrant or the, the quadrant most compatible with mine? Maybe I can just, you know, hatch 25% in each category or be overweight in <laughs> one. Is there any way of thinking of hiring in the, in the scheme of things? Sure. I think in the workplace, uh, it really takes a bit of everyone Right. to bring about a high-performance team. And um, quite often, say for example, most companies are going through some level of transformation. So when I speak to transformation leaders, it's getting them to make sure that they're aware what the strengths are of their team um, and how best to allocate roles accordingly. Right. So for example, someone who would be great at change management will probably be the amiable because they can really understand and feel the pain that people are going through if they had to do a significant change. Um, then the analytical is fantastic because they might say, hey, so what are the processes going to look like for the future? And this is someone who can document every little step for you, including your standard operating procedure. Um, your driver's there to make sure that you know the team is charging on, meeting the deadlines, making sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to do, right? And when deadlines are not met, he's the one who's going to tell everyone, hey. Taskmaster. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then you express this if there to say, hey, you know, have we thought about it this way? Have we thought about the other way? Um, once we finished um, our first phase or MVP, what should the 
following phases or next product features look like and so forth. So, you know, it does take everybody to bring about a high performance team. Obviously, if you are in a particular type of industry that draws upon um, I guess certain professions more than others or require certain types of skills more than others, then you might end up just, um, you know, by chance um, to have a little bit more of a certain type of personality over the others. Um, but quite often I'll say, you know, there is always a place for somebody in the workforce. It's just a matter of having that self-awareness to know whether a job really suits you or not. Wonderful. Very inclusive, Carolyn. You've taught us about this personality type quadrant, but I'm more familiar with things like the, the Myers-Briggs, MBTI, and also the Clifton Strengths. So my whole company did a Clifton Strengths assessment. I think there are 34 of them, and they, they, they identified my five uh, main strengths. So how does this rate against them, and what are the differences? Sure. Um, I have a lot of respect for different profiling tools. So clearly one of it is Myers-Briggs as well as Clifton Strengths. Mm. Um, in general, I think most people would struggle to remember 34 types yeah. <laughs> in Clifton Strengths and 16 types at Myers-Briggs, right? I think it's great. Um, those tools actually allow you to see where your true strengths are, what you're not so good at and so forth. I guess where this Bolton and Bolton tool comes in is that you only need to remember four workplace preferences in terms of their working styles. And I think I can remember four more than 16 or 34. It's true, that's true. <laughs> they have names too. You have animal names for them. We do. Would you share them with us? That's, that's fun. That's sure, fun. sure. So um, analytical can be considered an owl, for example. Oh. Um, a driver could be an eagle. Uh, an expressive could be a peacock. Sounds about right. <laughs> Sometimes there's a saying that you can spot an expressive a mile away because they tend to wear um, clothes or accessories that stand out a little bit more. And then your amiable is your dove, very loving. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't we all want to be doves? Yeah, absolutely. So the truth is, um, you know, that, that I am very respectful of multiple tools. I guess it's the one that you resonate with the most that right. you think would help you in the workplace more. And I think as part of my role as a you know, management consultant working in professional services, we don't always have the luxury to know our clients for many mm -hmm. years. Sometimes you get um, you know, parachuted in to work on a project straight away where you don't know anybody. And you have to straight away learn how to build rapport with clients, straight away understand how to work with multiple teams. Sometimes they're the client's team, sometimes they're independent contractors, other times they're your own team. Um, but the truth is there's so many stakeholders, especially large-scale transformation programs, there's so many stakeholders, and it usually spans across multiple functions, not just one department, for example. So hence a tool like this, um, they are saying that in best practice, if you're well-versed in this tool, between the asking and telling personality, you should be able to tell within five minutes of five meeting minutes. somebody yes so you know carolyn you have been telling us about this tool with respect to employees forming your own team but you also as a management consultant have clients yes so how do we use this tool vis-a-vis -vis clients maybe you could tell us how to deal with a client who's a driver or a peacock you know whatever Yes, so it's great because it's not just in professional services. I mean, also, um, if you think in the banking world, relationship right. managers, in the insurance world, agents trying to sell Any insurance. form of sales. Exactly. So knowing these four personality types is really helpful because the ability to build rapport, the ability to influence um, and help them in the journey is also important. So um, in the case of, say, in my situation where I'm working with clients, my intention is never to be disrespectful to people. 
um, it's not about plonking people onto categories and off you go, let's generalize everybody. It's about being respectful about people's workplace preferences mm. and their styles of working and accommodating those styles so that they feel comfortable working with you, right? Um, so I would say that uh, if you're working with someone for the first time or early stage, um, hopefully you can tell sooner rather than later whether they're asking or telling and that's just true conversation. Right. So, for example, you might bump into them in the office on a Monday morning and you can go, oh, hi, Cindy, how are you? And you go, oh, I'm very good. Um, how's that report going? And you straight away know that probably that's a telling uh, task oriented. Task right? oriented. Yes. Um, or you could say, oh, hi, Cindy, how are you? And the response is, I'm fantastic. How's your weekend? Oh, my kids did something similar as well and so forth. So hence straight away, you know, it's a little bit more of an asking personality, quite possibly people oriented as well. So, um, you know, this is where you can sort of roughly tell uh, and, and take away two quadrants and figure out, is it one or the other of the two that's remaining, right? And over time, you'll figure out which it is. Um, sometimes if it's a client that we already are familiar with, but maybe I'm not familiar with it. So for example, the company could be, then I might speak to a colleague to say, hey, what's this person's work style? I may or may not raise these quadrants, but ask certain questions that can help me to better understand this person. So for example, does this person make decisions quite quickly or are they extremely thorough and would read every single page of a report and want a very robust report? Or does he just want to know enough to make a quick decision, for example? Or is it more that this person is the creative type who loves left field ideas and really wants to be wowed by new futuristic ideas? So I ask certain questions to figure out what's their preferred style. And hence, when I walk through that door, it's just a lot easier for me to build that rapport straight away. I'll know, okay, if it's task oriented, I won't talk too much about anything personal, right? And if it's something which is about wowing them with a great idea, then I'll know that I'll focus on what their interests and hobbies are. Yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, in, in any situation, whether it's colleagues that are new, for example, whether it's someone external to your organization, I feel that this tool has really helped me a lot um, in my career. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, I wish someone showed this to me a lot earlier. Indeed, um, indeed. Yeah, so, you know, if we are, say, working in a transmission program, um, I want to know whether the transmission leader is one of which styles. Um, I'll also make sure that as part of our change management, we would then do stakeholder analysis. But in our stakeholder analysis, other than understanding um, the RACI, which is who is responsible, accountable, you know, consulted and informed, I would then go, okay, which of these four um, traits do they actually really have so that when I speak to them to give them updates on the transmission program or the innovation program then um, straight away I know how to shape that conversation to make it more meaningful for them. Caroline, you told me earlier that any of these types can become leaders and managers. They just need to know, um, they need to be very self-aware of what their blind spots are. So maybe you could tell us a little bit of what some of the blind spots are for each of these groups, or at least the ones that you haven't already mentioned. So that, for example, if I'm a, a dove, because I, I just don't see what a blind spot could be, you know, for, for a nice person. Like, <laughs> what, what's wrong with being a nice person? in the office, right? You'd be you very know? surprised. I mean, um, sometimes a, a, a dove could be coming across as too nice. Oh, so he or she is so nice, but can he or she actually do the work? Right. Right. So like there's so. no like steel in them, right? They're, <laughs> exactly. They're too sweet. Okay. Exactly. Or I, this I, is a by really... the way, I've heard that about women so many times. I don't know if she has the 
the gumption to lead, but she is a nice person. Which, in this case, the the concept of being nice is actually used as ammunition against them. Is that right? It can happen, and the same thing with um, even males who are beta personalities. I see. Right? Oh, he he seems like a really nice chap, but you know, not sure whether he's that capable compared to this other. Like he's a follower, not a leader. Exactly, and mm. and sometimes we need to deep a little bit deeper, right? Mm. I know many of. Um, people who are amiables, who are exceptional leaders, and in fact, they're probably very good leaders in today's world because people are looking for a leader with empathy, compassion, um, people skills. That servant leadership skills tends to be a little bit more about the amiable personality type. So maybe in today's job market, these skills are becoming more and more attractive. But perhaps in the past, they may have been seen as a liability. Absolutely, and I think that that's shifting in terms of employee expectations, employers' expectations, shareholders' expectations as well. Mm. As well, so um, you know that's shifting a bit. But I think ultimately, um, it's about knowing where your strengths are and which areas you need to improve on. Mm. And um, back to your original question, you know, the blind um, spots. The blind spots. Say, for example, the expressive I mentioned about the inability to deal with. Um, you know, deadlines is one of them. Um, it's also about uh, kind of not wanting to f- know the details of today's world. So, for example, if it's a large-scale transmission program or innovation program that will take three years to deliver, this person is talking about the fourth and fifth year. Right. And when you try to bring them back to the first year, hey, we're only just kicking off this project. You know, just one of these check with you the details um, about these different deliverables or tasks, want to make sure that we can pinpoint the dependencies and mm. so forth. The expressive will be, oh, please don't bore me with such details. Mm. I've had that happen to me before <laughs> and, and fair enough, you know. So um, this is where I guess if a person thinks then the expressive or their colleagues deem them to be expressive, for example, um, it's then being able to understand that, hey, look, nothing's going to be delivered if we don't take notice of the deadline, right? And also um, to have that recognition that while I'm running 10 miles ahead of everybody, sometimes I need to take three steps back to lay it out to other people who may not have that level of vision ahead. Carolyn, if I had an expressive on my team, I think I'll place them on my biggest like moonshot project, maybe the most experimental, the least guaranteed project. I think they would be great fits. Wouldn't yes. they? Yeah, I think they'd be fantastic. Mm. You know, put them in areas where you want to think of something very different, very creative, something you never really thought of. Mm. That's where they truly shine, right? Because if you put an analytical on the moonshot project, all they're going to say is, where's the SOP? You know, who, what, where, what do I do? Or yes. what's next? And you, the answer is, I don't know. Yeah, yes, exactly. you got to find out. Absolutely, and he'll mm. ask you, Every question there is about every possible risk mm. um, and drill you down on all of that. So it's not to say that they won't, don't want to see things come true. They do want to deliver. It's just that they're very methodical and very low risk takers. Low risk. So expressive would probably be high risk takers, presumably. High risk. And so is your driver. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Next, some of the blind spots. I think the driver's one are pretty obvious. Yeah, I think with the driver, um, it's being very mindful that sometimes you can come across as quite serious um, or strict or sometimes even fierce Mm. Um, occasionally if you have a strong personality you can come across as a bully even if that's not your intent right right? so I think it's about being able to scale that down um, and make yourself a little bit 
warmer even though it's not your natural tendency and to show more empathy or at least force yourself to think in that vein because people are not seeing that side of you and of course you can use more questions you can ask more questions because you're on the tell side you can ask how are you doing how are you feeling what do you do last weekend yes exactly and then last but not least the analytical by the way I, i know many analytical people i come from that background so so fire away, tell us, <laughs> what could we do better? Uh, I, I think it's uh, being respectful that everyone is quite different. So for example, analytical is the op- opposite spectrum to someone who's expressive, mm. you know. Um, and it's about thinking through, well, while these people have different strengths and different personality types, um, you do want to work well in the team and understand um, where can you add the most value. Clearly having the right process, method is important being mindful of the risk is important but at the same time to not not take a step forward so for example there's no point standing there the whole time and sort of not taking a slight risk and go actually i might not know everything um however i should just you know take that leap of faith a little bit calculated risk if you want to call it that so they might actually really struggle a little bit more when we think about um, the agile methodology of delivering whereby you know it's about you know um, we, we may not know how to plan 10 steps ahead but we know what we want in that first version or the MVP yes. right um, however analytical will overanalyze um, phase one two three four and so forth and hence um, it might be a little bit of a um, I guess a kind of reigning over people who are excited to move forward. So hence, I think there's that element of um, being a little bit more adaptable and flexible. I see. Yeah. But that being said, if I had to hire a project manager, I think I would love to hire analytical because they won't drop the ball. They make sure that the project keeps moving, nothing gets lost and everyone is on track. I think they have a, a wonderful, tremendous ability to to keep things, keep the ball from dropping, isn't it? Um, I, I think so, but I think it also depends on the type of project that you have. Um, if it's a project that uh, time is of the essence. So I once worked in Australia where one project, we couldn't move the date. And um, the CEO just said, the date cannot be moved, has to be this date for certain reasons that we have to go to market. If you have to drop quality or features of the product, do it. So be it. So be it. Make sure that my product is ready to go on this date. And um, we had no choice. And hence, you know, someone like a driver will probably be better placed than an analytical. I see. Because they, they will do what it takes. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. Because they're very results-driven, very outcomes-driven. Mm. So hence, if there's shortcuts along the way, they'll will do that to make sure that your deadline is being met. I mean, having said that, it does not mean that the amiable and expressive are not good as project managers. Once again, it all comes back to self-awareness. And I think that as, as leaders or even project managers or transmission experts, it's really about making sure that we are mindful about where our true strengths are. Are we in the right role that plays to these strengths and brings us um, job satisfaction? Um, and for the areas that are not so strong in, how can I improve on that? And how can I surround myself with people who can compliment me? Because, um, for example, I'm not very expressive. So I really admire people who are futurists because I can't see things 20 years ahead. I might be able to see 5, 10, maybe 12 at best, but they're 20, 30 years ahead, and the ideas that they have um, 
about living in space or space travel, um, what the future pandemics could look like and so forth, um, is, is very impressive because I wouldn't even think to go that deeply and that far and they've put so much thought into it, which I think is very inspiring and interesting and it allows me to expand my thought process, for example. Um, and, and the truth is, I, I think that, you know, in today's world, everyone's looking for a leader that has good self-awareness, right? And also, you know, we are not given a lot of chances to prove ourselves in today's world in most jobs. So, you know, how do you then make sure that you are well aligned to what's required of that job? Um, how do you make sure that your team is also well aligned to their job roles and so forth so they can actually drive more effective um, high performance teams and also then think through, well, how can we beat our competitors? Aha, uh -huh, I like that. Competitive advantage. Absolutely. Well, Carolyn, thank you for teaching us something new today. It was a great pleasure to finally have this recorded so that many, many people can watch and learn. Where can we find out more about you? Yeah, probably LinkedIn more than any other. Uh, that's the social media I use the most uh, professionally. So um, occasionally I um, hide a little bit and occasionally I do promote certain things. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm really passionate about innovation. Um, transformation, but also helping underrepresented communities. So in mm. my free time, I spent uh, a bit of time um, doing research on new technologies that help underrepresented communities. So I love that. Yeah, so this can include um, how can we make sure that uh, the rest of Southeast Asia, which is terribly unbanked, uh, underbanked as well, uh, financially excluded, digitally excluded, what can we do to actually improve that? So how can I, in my own small part, raise awareness about how, for example, um, governments, telcos, uh, financial institutions can actually bring more people into um, you know, this financial inclusion world such that uh, they can actually have, um, I guess, that upward generational mobility, if you want to call it that. Other times, it's also about uh, people with special disabilities or special needs. Um, what can we do in this world, whether it's through compassion or technology, to actually bring out the best in them too? Wow, that's fantastic. Carolyn, you need to speak more about them, honestly. I need to hear you give more keynotes on these topics, especially financial inclusion. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. I had Thanks a great time. Thanks for joining time. us. Thank you.